Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this latest online sermon. So glad you're here. Um, we're praying that God will work powerfully through this ministry. And if he has, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. That's impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week, please feel free to give online. There's a giving tab on our website. But now may God bless you through the preaching of his word. Thank you again for being here. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Ronald Reagan, California Inauguration Speech, 1967. One generation away. The gospel is never more than one generation away from extinction. The church is never more than one generation away from extinction. The truth is never more than one generation away from extinction. We are always only one generation away from losing it all. Losing our audacity, our honor, our generosity. Losing our loyalty, our purity, our hope. Losing our dignity, our integrity, our reputation. But when we pass on what we believe in, what we stand on, and what we live for, we are only one generation away from changing the world. We're only one generation away from breaking the curse. We're only one generation away from passing on the greatest gift the world has ever received. One generation away. wanted to start off talking is to talk about the things that have transcended different generations. And I remember when I was eight years old and I went to a flea market in Wisconsin. And there I had an opportunity to see a t-shirt that was on sale of four turtles who happened to be ninjas because of some ooze. And I bought that t-shirt and I wore it proudly throughout my childhood. What is interesting is I went to Target yesterday <laughs> and I found about the same t-shirt. And so what I see is that, thankfully, the Ninja Turtles somehow have transcended generations and have been passed on. I consider other things from my generation that were passed on, like the love of video games. Back in my day, I spent a lot of quality time playing Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt and Contra and Tony Hawk. Today, maybe the games have changed. You have Madden and Minecraft and, and Candy Crush, but the love of video games is still there. In fact, I saw one t-shirt that said, if you know NES, that was just classically trained. So that's who I am. I'm classically trained. But then I consider all the things that didn't get passed on. For example, when I was in fifth grade, it was very popular to wear pants that were like these. <laughs> Parachute pants, my friends. They're pretty awesome. And yet, I don't see many parachute pants today. Is that true? Do you wear parachute pants at school? No? Missing out. So the hammer pants haven't been passed on, but I do, I wonder, has the hammer dance at least passed on? I got a clip of the hammer dance. Here it is. Are you ready? It's coming. Is that at least here? 
Não. You're welcome. You're welcome. So why is it that the turtle is passed down but hammer in his pants and the hammer dance, I guess, doesn't get passed down? What's going on? I remember when my mom tried to, to teach me something that was popular from her generation. I was working at a movie theater, and uh, she was speaking my language. She's like, Dustin, why don't you go to a movie with me? You know what movie she wanted me to see? Gone with the Wind. And there I spent belaboring my three hours watching this movie, and no, Mom, I apologize. It didn't get passed down. I haven't seen Gone with the Wind again, and I don't want to. <laughs> so why do some things get passed down and other things don't? That is such an essential question because what I wanted to consider with you is not passing along Ninja Turtles or video games or Gone with the Wind, but I wanted to ask you this question. How do we pass on Jesus to the next generation? Because if you confess to be a Christian, you know this is the mission critical. You know it's okay if they don't have Ninja Turtles or video games, but if they don't have Jesus, man, we have lost everything, haven't we? Now, as we ask that question, I need to give you some sobering thoughts about the day and age in which we live. See, I was doing some study about how we're passing on the Christian faith, and I came across a study done by the Pew Research Center that says, in fact, we're not doing this very well. On CNN, there was this article published in May that said, millennials leaving the church in droves, the study finds. They said that uh, when they surveyed Christianity, in 2007, 78% of Americans confessed to be Christian. 78%. In 2015, 70%. So it dropped 8%. And the statistics read very clearly, the reason this is happening, the reason Christianity is, 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 is losing members on every branch is because millennials are leaving the fold. Now millennials are defined as from 1982 to 2002. 1982 to 2002 are, are leaving the fold. They in fact said that among the millennials, if you would poll those people that age, about 30% of them are unaffiliated with any religion or any church. It then had this striking comment. Maybe it'll strike you as it struck me. It said this. It said that older generations of Americans are not passing along the Christian faith as effectively as their forebears. They didn't spot it necessarily on the upbringing. The children had been raised essentially the same. But they spotted it essentially in the millennials who in adulthood just lose that part of their identity and let it go. How does that strike you? How does it strike me? I'm not sure if that riles you up. I'm not sure if that gets you down. To be very honest, I don't really like doomsday thinking. And that really wasn't my heart. But I think if you're a leader, you need to know a problem before you can confront the solution. Don't, don't, don't you know what I'm saying? And leaders in the building, they're not down when they find problems. Rather, they get to work on solutions. And that is where my heart is. See, I'm not only a part of the problem, but I can be a part of the solution. For I am a millennial just on the cusp. And I am here saying I radically love Jesus. He's not going from my life. And as long as I'm here, I'm going to share his, his name. I'm going to live for him as long as I still have breath in my lungs. And because I am a millennial, it is a dream of mine to see the next generation rise up with a vibrancy and a vitality in professing Jesus. And Lord, use me to do that. Is your heart the same? Let's talk about it. 
For the Word of God answers the hows of how we can pass on to the next generation, faith in Jesus. It gives us perspective of what to do. So let's jump into the Word of God. We're considering Psalm 78 uh, printed in your worship folder. Um, I invite you to just follow along with me, and and we're going to read and then discuss. It says, My people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants. Rather, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. They would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would be like their ancestors. Uh, They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. This is our consideration. And I see it broken down in in two different degrees. And so uh, first I wanted to, to, to talk in this message about the older generation. Uh, how do you pass that on? Because that is your charge. And I'm going to talk to you as the gatekeepers and the tone setters. You're the gatekeepers and the tone setters. And then I want to talk to a young generation, to those coming up. And I want to talk to you about loyalty and what rising up can look like. You ready for this? Still in it? Just say yeah on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, I... Uh, like sports, and that's uh, not a new thing if you've been at Amazing Love. In fact, if you want to watch Sports Center just so you can relate to Pastor, that's fine with me. You know, uh, husbands, you're, you're, you're welcome. Um, you know, anyway. Um, but I was watching uh, the, the, the matchup between uh, Dwayne Wade playing his old teammate, LeBron James. And uh, Dwayne Wade, you know, on the Heat, LeBron James on the Cavs, and how they used to be together but now are, are rivals. And they asked Dwayne Wade, how do you feel about LeBron James? You know, because in in a generation gone by, your rival was usually your enemy. They referenced people like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, who hated each other's guts, both on the court and off the court. One other than two of them, right? And, And Dwayne Wade said, you know, something very interesting. He said, you know, I have no disrespect for the generation gone by. In fact, they paved the way for me to be here and to play the game. But I feel completely different. LeBron James is my friend. And yes, I want to beat him on the court. And yes, I want to show how I'm the superior athlete. But away from the court, we're still going to be fond uh, with each other and still going to be friendly. So I bring that up to say that there can be a a same game. There can be the same thing, but a different approach. And that's really what I want to talk about. This is the same game of basketball, but a different approach as you consider rivals and enemies. And what we want to talk about in this place is how can we have the same love for Jesus, but maybe consider what can be different. First of all, we need to consider what remains the same. Go with me to verse 4. Verse 4, what does it say? It says, We will not hide from the descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. The deeds of the Lord. It can also be translated the marvelous deeds of the Lord. What I find in this place is that the message should always remain the same. We should always be proclaiming the marvelous deeds of the Lord. When this psalm was written, it was talking about how they should tell generation to generation how the Lord was a deliverer. See, the Lord brought them out of Israel in a miraculous way. 
brought them out of Israel using the ten plagues, using the Red Sea and closing the Red Sea. This psalm talked about how they took over the promised land and how the enemies weren't too much for the people of God because God fought for them. God sent hail, God used their swords, and God, because of them, was able to deliver them from their enemies. That same message is proclaimed today because all those stories of deliverance were foreshadowing a greater deliverer named Jesus. And today I'm here to proclaim that the Jesus we celebrate is the deliverer. I'm here to tell you that we are delivered from sin and death, those enemies. We're delivered from sin because he took that curse of sin upon himself and he gave his life on a cross so that all those who didn't get it right, so all those who are sinners could be forgiven. I want you to know you have forgiveness today through the deliverer named Jesus. He delivered us from the enemy of death. As we celebrate on Easter, as every Sunday is a mini Easter, that death was no longer a barrier. Death was just the gateway to enter eternal life, and that is for us as well. We don't fear death because it's just the finish line. It's just the tape at the end that we break through to be with the Lord. We have the same deliverer and that same message to this day. That's why we're so glad to be here. And that's why we rally on Sundays. But while that remains the same, I believe our expression can be different. What I find as we pass it on and as an older generation asks, how do I do this? As you are the gatekeepers, you need to know the message remains the same. And from every era, you demand that the message remain the same. You demand that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. You demand that it is by grace we are saved, not by works. You demand that that message stay the same, but you allow for the expression to be different. Allow, not mandate, but allow the expression to be different because the world will change. Consider different fads and things that were popular. We've already considered a few. I don't know how many people were ever in cross-stitching. I don't need a raise of hands. But maybe in one era, cross-stitching was the fad. That if I was a Christian, happened to be a Lutheran, this is what I did to express my Christian Lutheranism. But now more popular is ink, isn't it? So maybe it's okay if another generation has this as an expression of the Luther suit. I'm just saying. Not mandating. I might get one. Anyway. Um... Oh, I consider other things. I consider the pictures of Jesus. When, when I was growing up, this was the picture of Jesus. In fact, my, my parents still have this in their home, right? Go to my mom's bedroom. There it is. There's Jesus, right? Now, there's Hollywood Jesus, right? And, and it's okay that the form of Jesus has, has, you know, freshened up a little bit. It's okay that he's now gone to Hollywood, right? I remember growing up singing hymns like, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. Remember that hymn? And now we have a new song called Cornerstone by Hillsong. And I think it's okay that there is the same message in both of those songs and yet a different expression. I think that it is okay in one generation you rocked out to the organ, or is that what you call it? Um, I have nothing against the organ, um, but, but now you can rock out to guitars and drums, and, and none of that is bad. Because what is essential is that we have the same message and the same Jesus, but we allow, we do not mandate that the form can change. You know, another pastor, he put it this way. Consider when you make a copy of a copy. And then consider when you make a copy of that copy. 
And then consider when you make a copy of that same copy. This reminds me of like any teachers here, you know, you have lesson plans and you're like bringing out a worksheet from the 70s that you copied over and over. I did that just to see what it looks like. When you copy a copy, this is what can happen. Here's the original and then I just kept copying it. I just kept copying. Look what happens. You lose clarity, don't you? You lose the, the freshness of what the original looked like, don't you? So if, if we as an older generation, as gatekeepers, <laughs> absolutely, amen. Someone's given me a response today. I love it. I see you. Anyway, um, so if we just copy a copy, we're losing something, right? So better than copying a copy is starting with the new original. And I'm just saying, if you think as an older generation they should just copy the copy of the copy of the copy, why not let them create an original? Why not let them express Jesus with new ways and new vitality? For you are the gatekeepers. You are the ones who allow things in or, or put things out. And that is okay that there is an original that brings clarity and vitality to the same faith. And here I have nothing but praise for the leaders of amazing love. We came from a very traditional background. I have nothing against a traditional background. But the gatekeepers here said it's okay if the expression will change. It's okay if we have a teen Sunday with just all this set up. It's okay if, if we have different methodology of different ministries, of different music, of different dress, that I can wear a Ninja Turtles t-shirt. It's all right. Because the main thing is Jesus his marvelous deeds that I am still committed to and that message will never change though its expression can. Goes on. Goes on. As you speak to another older generation, you're also the tone setters. And I want to talk about verse 4. Look at verse 4 again. Verse 4 says, We will not, what? We will not, we will not hide them from their descendants, the marvelous deeds. So, so what is it to not hide? It is to proclaim. It is to show. And I want to talk about this a little bit. I wanted to ask you the question, do kids know what their parents love? Would you agree with this? Do kids know what the parents love? For example, you might uh, have grown up with like a spoon collection. And, and you know, those things on the wall. And you know mom loves spoons wherever she visits a place. And she got a spoon from Hawaii and Michigan and Wisconsin. And we love spoons and they're right there on our wall. You might have grown up in a hunting family. And you know when the camo came out and the gun was cleaned. Do you clean a gun before? I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, and, and, and you know, when the beard was coming, you know, it was hunting season, right? Because that's what we do. And you might know to this day the team that your father loves, hockey, football, whatever, right? Because in general, kids know what their parents love. For me, it was my dad in music. My dad is a music fanatic. In fact, I would go to the garage, and the garage was filled with these things called cassettes. You ever heard of a cassette? Just tons of them, Right? And I, I, even if I wanted new music, I would just ask Dad, hey, Dad, you get that new cassette? And he'd have it. Right? I remember going to the basement and he'd have records, right? Crazy. Of the Moody Blues or the Who or Yes and just crazy bands, right, you know? And, and I remember then how that leaked down to me. See, see, I grew up then loving music. And I remember being in band and I had to listen to classical music and I'm like, Dad, got any classical music? And that was the wrong question. He's got like 30, right? Want some Rachmaninoff? Here you go, kid. Enjoy. And I knew my dad loved music because it wasn't hidden. 
Everything about him, what he spent his money on, what, what he listened to, his activities, uh, what, what he had, all spoke about his love for music. It couldn't be missed. Parents, let me be real with you. If you're a Christian, do you think your kids can pick up on whether Jesus is important or not? Do you think they can pick up on whether following Jesus is a guilt-ridden expectation or a joy? Do you think they can pick up on whether you're just giving lip service or it's coming from the heart? I think you know the answer. And you are a tone setter. And we don't always get it right, do we? I don't always get it right. So we have opportunity first to claim forgiveness from the deliverer because that's why we came, that we are forgiven at the cross. But second, we have opportunity then before us to set the tone in new ways, and that's what I want to talk about. How could we let your love of God leak down to the next generation? As music was leaked down, how can you let your love of God leak down? Well, first of all, it happens through modeling. And I don't mean to insult your intelligence, you know this. More than what is taught is what is caught. Your kids will pick up on if you're reading your Bible. Your kids will pick up on your generosity. Your kids will pick up on if you're praying or if, you're, if you think church is important. They see all of that. Great is your opportunity to model what this is. But there's more. Not only in modeling, I wanted to talk about this, that you can support spiritual pursuits. What could you do to support spiritual pursuits? We had uh, report cards come to our house this past week. Anyone get the, the first quarter report cards? And I was presented then with an opportunity with kids to, to, to show what I think is important, right? I could either lay the hammer down like, come on, you know, or I could be like, hey, good job, you know. And I, in general, I'm like, hey, good job, you know, but sometimes we've got to work on things. Anyway, and, and I knew I had an opportunity when it came to their faith life. I could either give off the impression that your honor roll is more important than your conduct or your conduct is more important than the honor roll. You see, what you emphasize, your kids feel. And they will feel if you emphasize things that are not of God more than the things that are of God. Right? We have opportunity either to put our highest praise, our highest passion, our highest support either in spiritual pursuits or other. And I'm just saying the spiritual choice is always best. What you do to praise their faith life. What you do to support them, maybe by sending them to a teen rally. What you do by supporting uh, their pursuit of God will leak down, and that's how we pass it on. But now to a younger generation. Any young people still here? Yeah? And you're not sleeping. That's awesome. Great. Cool. I want to talk to you a little bit about borrowing your parents' faith. You know, there's this phrase that says you can live on borrowed time, you can live on borrowed love, or you can live on borrowed faith. And I think for a time, depending on your age, you live on a borrowed faith. I do. I think that's natural. That for a time, parents dictate what your following of God will look like. Parents will dictate, no, you're going to be here. Parents dictate, no, you're going to do this. Parents dictate all of that, and you live on borrowed faith. But I'm here to tell you, if you can hear my voice and understand, you can't do that forever. And I would hope that today would be the day you stop living on borrowed faith. That today is the day that you say, 
My faith is my responsibility. That today is the day you think of how you bring new life and new vitality to that same following of Jesus. And so could you just say this phrase, I invite you if you're comfortable. If you're under the age of 30, say this with me. Are you ready? Um, on the count of three, if you're ready, you're invited to, you're not obligated to. Under the age of 30, just say this with me. Say this, say, my faith is my responsibility. Because that is the truth. You are in the driver's seat of your soul, not your parents. And if there was something that I could just wish for you, I just wish that you would make today the day where you said, you know, I'm following Jesus the rest of my life. When it comes to that decision, that is a ship that has sailed. And I am not going to do it any other way. But the only way to rise up and to do that is to do the opposite of verse 8. Look at verse 8 with me. Verse 8, it says about the generation that lost Jesus. It said, they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God. See, the problem they struggled with was a lack of loyalty, which is what I want to talk about next, a lack of loyalty. And uh, in the news, I know this isn't very relevant for kids, but it's all over the news, is this story about an officer. Kids, you hear this at all? Like, I don't read the newspaper, Pastor. Anyway, let me tell you. Anyway, um, there was this officer who at first uh, was praised as a hero, you know, who was murdered, Officer Glenowitz in Fox Lake. Adults, have you heard this? And they thought, you know, an officer who, again, um, got, got killed in the line of duty. And, and so high praise for this officer. What has been revealed now is this officer was embezzling money through other programs. This officer had all sorts of misconduct um, and actually committed suicide, was not murdered. This is an officer who has fallen out of favor. Kids, no one wants to stand next to this guy and say, he's a great guy right now. Falling out of favor. I want you to tell you that sometime, if not now, but in the future, Jesus will be as popular as this guy. And I need to tell you that so you're ready. Jesus will be about as popular as Officer Glenowitz. That sometime in your experience, he will fall from favor from the friends that you surround yourself with. Sometime in your experience, they will say, what in the world are you doing on Sundays? What in the world are you doing uh, not doing that or doing that? What in the world is Jesus all about? It might be a college. You go to college and there's just a professor, anti-Christian, who rages against the Bible, who rages against the faith. And you need to know that at one time or another, Jesus will fall out of favor, not because of his misconduct, but because of misconceptions of who he is. So you want to be loyal? This is a definition of loyalty. Here it is. Loyalty sticks by when it'd be easier to step away. I'm praying that that's what your heart would do. That when you're tested, when it'd be easier to walk away from Jesus because of the atmosphere, because of your friends, because of what you experience, that you would say, no way, I'm digging in. Because there's only one who gave his life for me. His name is Jesus. There is only one deliverer. There's only one who God who holds eternity. And it's the one I grew up knowing. I hope that you would be loyal and stick by. But a final thing you can do as young people... A final thing you can do as you rise up is something that I think is just characteristic of young people in general. That young people in general are rowdy. You know what rowdy is? Rowdy means making noise when you shouldn't make noise. 
Rowdy means getting up when you shouldn't get up. Rowdy is rowdy, right? And I remember being rowdy as a teen. You didn't care. You were doing the hammer dance whenever you wanted to because you were rowdy. You don't care about social perception because you're rowdy, right? A wrestler named Rowdy Rowdy Piper or something like that. I want you to be rowdy about your faith. In fact, I just like saying that. Be rowdy about it. Be rowdy about Jesus. Be rowdy about the difference of his ways. Be rowdy. Make noise about how different you act socially, how different the expression of Jesus is. Be rowdy about it so they don't miss it. And I believe when it goes back to those statistics, if it's true that more people are coming out without the knowledge of Jesus, more people who don't know it, then you have a greater chance to be a rowdy revival. That, that I believe you have the chance as you rise up to cause an uprising. Do you get that? that? That may your rising up cause an uprising. May, may it throw off what is socially acceptable. May it throw off an anti-Christian sentiment. May it throw off those who would like to hold you down. May you rise up with an uprising. Because that's what I'm here to do. I don't know about you. I'm here not to shut up, but to be rowdy about it. Because there's only one deliverer. And as long as I have life in my lung, air in my lungs, I will proclaim his name, which is Jesus. What about you? May God so bless you. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, may guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, we have opportunity to confess a common faith, to confess a, a faith in who Jesus is and what he's done. And so we invite you, if you're comfortable, to declare with us the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.